Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. This is Jonathan Munshaw, joined uh, this week by Nate Pores from our Talos Incident Response Team. Thanks for coming on, Nate. Thanks for having me, John. Um, so for those of you that haven't worked with me in the past, I'm Nate Pores. I'm an incident commander. Uh, so my job is a lot of the, the coordination that goes with incident response, working alongside the IR consultants that do the forensics. I am based in the United States in Virginia. So today we're going to be recapping the recently released Talos Incident Response quarterly report that just came out. I'll be linking to it in the in the show notes here. And there's like a cool one pager to look over there as well. And then by the time folks are hearing this on Friday, there'll be a recording of the live stream that you're taking a part of where you guys will also be talking about this. So I want to start by asking you about in the report, the thing that I thought was most noteworthy, which is that ransomware is still not the number one threat this quarter. So I wanted to just kind of start by asking you why you think this is happening, because ransomware kind of gets all of the sexy headlines. But as we're seeing, as outlined in this report, it's not what we're seeing most often in the, in the field. Yeah, so that's a really great question. And there are probably a couple of reasons that go into what I'll call a temporary dip in the importance of ransomware last quarter. So the biggest factor I really saw at play more of an educated guess than an authoritative answer because it gets into adversary intentions, really focuses around the geopolitical conflict that's been going on in Europe since February and really back into 2021, if you count the preparation time. So the community kind of suspects that a fair number of resources that would ordinarily be engaged in ransomware activity may have been redirected to focus on strategic rather than financial objectives, which of course would reduce that focus on ransomware. Don't really want to go into a ton more depth or detail since uh, this is inherently a little bit speculative, but I will say that it's that theory is supported by the fact that we're seeing a recent mm -hmm. uh, uptick in ransomware coming right back. Uh, so that'll probably show up again in a big way in next quarter's numbers. Well, what else kind of stood out to you in the report? Was there any other major takeaways that you had or anything that came across that surprised you? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of did want everyone reading the report to come away with uh, one key point, which is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. So we do talk about two big shifts, one being the temporary lack of focus on ransomware, and then also the rotation we saw in sectors being targeted, uh, which we'll get into here a little bit more in a minute. But under all that, we're still seeing the same classic attack factors being lack of MFA adversary focus on phishing and other forms of social engineering, business email compromise. So as security professionals, we need to keep focusing on the fundamentals, regardless of how the top level trends change. Uh, attention to detail really matters. Small stuff leads to success at the whole organization level. And next, I want to talk to you about the different sectors that are being targeted by threat actors. For the second quarter in a row, we found that telecommunication companies were targeted the most often. Do you guys have a general sense for why that is? Like I know at the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, healthcare was targeted the most often because they were particularly vulnerable at the time. So to me, like with telecom, there's nothing, there's no clear connections like that that stand out. That's also a really good question, good observation. So 
I should stress at the beginning of this answer that this is my personal opinion as an incident responder, not necessarily the official stance of Cisco or Cisco Talos, but my personal opinion here does hark back to what we were saying about the change in uh, trends, ransomware versus commodity malware. Attacking healthcare organizations is oftentimes, for better or worse, how ransomware attackers get money. Attacking critical infrastructure like telecoms, electric power, other utilities is how they achieve strategic objectives. I think at the end of 2021 and early 2022, nobody on either side of the conflict was exactly sure how the situation would play out. So I would speculate that a lot of the key cybersecurity players, including hackers, uh, were scrambling to develop those strategic options. In case you think I'm completely uh, wearing a tinfoil hat here, I would point out that uh, the CISA Shields Up initiative uh, did focus on almost exactly that potential threat vector being hacking, focusing on uh, critical infrastructure. And another trend that we found in the report that I, I thought was interesting was that there was no one dominant ransomware family. In the past, we've in these reports, we've seen some of the bigger name groups like Conti kind of dominate the landscape. And this is something I've talked to with uh, Azim on the days of our ransomware drama episodes of Talos Takes that we've had in the past. Uh, but now there are a lot of subgroups or relatively no-name malware families that we're kind of seeing up just pop up here and there from quarter to quarter. Uh, what particularly do you think is contributing to that shift? And do you think that eventually the trend will just kind of shift back to these massive ransomware as a service cartels? So in a word, yes, I do think we're going to go back to that trend of uh, massive um, ransomware as a service cartels. But I want to dig into this a little more because it's a really fascinating question and we have some interesting visibility this year we hadn't previously had. So back in February, uh, the security community did get an unprecedented look into the inside of Conti's internal operations through a chat log leak. One of the things we learned is that in many ways, their operations mirror those of legitimate businesses. They have separate arms focused on operations, recruiting, training. It's all about the day-to-day. -day. It's all about the money. Um, and, and it looks surprisingly less like guys in hoodies and more like a company. So I would say that the same geopolitical conflict in Europe we referenced really disrupted the business models of a lot of these major ransomware as a service players, either by siphoning off a lot of their top talent or through direct tasking to temporarily do non-ransomware related hacking. So in that power vacuum where Conti and other larger players uh, appear to be busy with other things, we did see a lot of smaller players, either individuals or uh, smaller groups step out of the shade and get their publicity without being overshadowed by those larger groups. However, I do think that as things uh, start to return to normal modus operandi, as we're starting to see uh, in the current quarter, we'll see that trend go back toward major ransomware groups dominating the news cycle. There are just certain efficiencies of scale that goes with those larger organizations that make it work better and more efficiently than lone wolf hacking or smaller organizations. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Nate. And like I said, I'm going to be linking to the quarterly report in the show notes here, along with the live stream that you'll have been on already by the time this episode comes out. But you and your uh, CTIR folks will be, uh, fellow CTIR team members, will be discussing these topics a little bit more in depth on the CTIR on air stream. So thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we're looking forward to the, the live stream coming up. 